Good morning, church family. Just a little report. Um, our family is in fear that Lucas's condition would trump some of people that are also suffering and hurting in the church. And Lucas voiced this opinion last week too. He says, you know, yes, pray for me and thank you for the support because I, I can't even describe to you the support that we feel from you and the thankfulness that we have for all the things that you've done for Lucas and us. Uh, we feel overwhelmed at times because of the, uh, of the outpouring of your love and compassion, and we thank you for that. But he expressed the same thing I did. It was that, you know, we don't want to forget the other people in church that are truly suffering too. And uh, we want to make sure that everybody in the family is well taken care of. And we do appreciate the support you're giving us during this time. But we also want to make sure that if there's others that you don't feel like, oh, the pastor is, is going through something, I don't have to call him because I don't want to bother him. You're not a bother, you're part of the family. Okay? And we can always have elders come visit, we can have deacons come visit, and the pastor can come visit too. I mean, for heaven's sake, I'm right there in one of the hospitals. So if anything were to happen, please contact us. But I just wanted to say thank you today from my family for your support and from uh, the bottom of Lucas's heart. Um, we call him a horse right now because he's been eating like one. Um, he has to gain back quite a few pounds. He lost about 25 pounds, and uh, he's gaining that back slowly. But uh, m look at it this way, a teenager plus trying to gain back weight. And then some of you know the, the drugs that are involved. Um, they tend to give you the munchies. So um, anyhow, we just wanted to thank you in front today and to let you know that we care about you and thank you for caring about us. Lucas is doing a little bit better. The numbers of cancer are coming down and it is looking good. It's a little stubborn, but it is coming down. And if you could just pray for one thing, that this next, the 11th, that when they go into his bone marrow, that Either they'll find so little cancer that it's a really good thing or that there's none at all. That'd be great. But we trust God that he knows what he's doing. Let's bow our heads as we start today, as we open the scriptures. Our Father in heaven, as we open the scripture today, I pray that you will speak not only to our hearts and minds, that you'll do something that you've not done in our lives before. And that you'll, dear Father, give us something that we can actually act upon. Dear Father, I want to thank you for the ability to trust you in a way that um, is uncharacteristic of us humans. We just want to thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had somebody ask you the question, do you trust me? Hmm? Typically, when you hear, do you trust me, we don't trust you. Would somebody like to have $5? I have it available here. Do you trust me? Come get it. Somebody come get it. Now there's a race. Uh-oh. Now, in seeing, it's already gone. It's okay. Hello. <laughs> yeah, you can go sit down with mommy and daddy again. Yeah, they sent you. Yeah. <laughs> Downright precious. <laughs> Come on, let's go back to mom and daddy. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> the trust of a child is a thousand times more than our trust. Why is that? When you tell a child something, they believe you with all their heart, mind, soul, everything. But you tell us something and we're like, eh, let me test that out. What is the difference between a child or a, maybe a new Christian and somebody that's been a Christian for a while? What is the difference? Today I'd like to share with you a message about one of the fundamental things that we have as Seventh-day Adventist Christians. And that fundamental thing is centered on faith, but it's called trust in God. At the core of our belief in trust God, it's not easy to do this. But it's a journey that brings us closer to Him and strengthens our relationship with Him. If you would turn in your Bibles with me just briefly today to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 starts with, My son, don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For the length of days and long life and peace, they will be added to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them in the tablets of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God. And by the way, that's a, a kind of an innuendo that may, maybe we don't get, but the closest one I can come to in today's verbiage is, and you can take that to the bank. Because whenever they bound something around their neck, they were wearing their wealth around them. So it's like, you can take this to the bank. Just listen. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. How many of you like the story today? It was very fitting. How many of you, if you were not a wrangler, would have gone on that trip all by yourself with a horse? In fact, I was, I was thinking in my head, I was like, Big Lake Youth Camp, the first camp that I had ever been to, the big tall trees, the lake, the paths that go through the Douglas fir. In fact, when she was telling the story and all of a sudden the desert was there, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that desert. That's a long ways away. You can drive there. And then the snow, yes, it can be hot and snowy in the same day because you're up in the mountains. But if you have somebody leading you somewhere, it's a lot easier than going about it by yourself. Trusting in someone else is better than just trusting in yourself. And, uh, in yourself. When we understand righteousness and justice in verse 9, uh, equity and e every good path, when wisdom enters our hearts and knowledge is pleasant to our soul, discretion, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you, to deliver you from the way of evil, the man who speaks perverse things, for those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths, to deliver you from the immoral women, for the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house leads down to death. I'm reading the wrong chapter. My apologies. It's like, this does not sound like what I studied this week. 
So if you want to read chapter 2, this is the opposite of chapter 3. <laughs> Yikes. Let me go back and start with about verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. That sounds like a contrast to the other path. That one didn't sound really good. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct those paths, but do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats with overflowing with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain of fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that are desired cannot compare with her. The length of days in her right hand and in her left, the riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and her paths are peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all those who retain her. The Lord by wisdom found the earth by understanding. He established the heavens, but his knowledge, the depths were broken up, and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. When you walk safely on your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and sleep. It will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked. When it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those who, whom it is due. When is the power of your hand to do so? Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I'll give it to you. When you have it with you, do not devise evil against your neighbor, for he dwells by you for safe sake, safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without cause if he has done no harm to you. Do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways, for the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is the upright. The curse of the Lord is upon the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. Do you see, when you trust someone in a way that says, I trust you completely, it is different than saying with your mouth, I trust you. Lip service is very easy in the world that we live in, is it not? I care about you. Really? Let's see how you care about me. It's written into our DNA. It's written into our DNA not to trust others because every time that we come into contact with somebody that hurts us, all of a sudden we're like, mm, I don't know about this. If that was really the case, we'd look at the devil and go, because he likes to hurt us all the time. And we'd look at God and be like running toward him like a little child with the trust that we absolutely have because he does not do us harm. But if we have any hint in the relationship with God, any hint of pain, discomfort, injustice, negativity, loss, bad vibes, we go into self-protection mode. We do. 
You see, we're made to self-protect in the sinful world that we have. When someone says, trust me, we doubt them. In fact, when I gave the money, they came running here. What, what little, how do I say this? What were, going, what were the thoughts that were going through your head as they're running up to get the money? Were they good thoughts? Some of you were like, mm, don't, don't ask me. <laughs> how many of you wish the little one got it? Yeah, even the one that got the money was like, yes. But the money is not the point. The money is that they trusted that I would give it to them when they arrived. What is the caveat? There is none. What can they spend it on? Anything. But what's going through our minds right now is, you know what? Mm, pastor, you need that money more. Now, I'm going to wait until you're in the back and I'm going to give it back to you. No, don't do that. It's your money. Or I wonder what I would do with the money. What if I spent it on something wrong? Would God strike me dead because the pastor gave it to me? I don't know. See, we all think these weird things of things that are so innocent. And sometimes when God says, trust me, we doubt him because our intentions aren't exactly pure. For instance, when I offered the $5, the thoughts that we had, some of them are like, it's just a sermon illustration. <laughs> It's just a sermon illustration. It's what, what's a $5? I mean, it's not much now. I mean, how many of you have ever gone to like McDonald's or Taco Bell in the last five months? What does $5 do? Fries and if you're lucky, maybe a drink. I don't know. Or just something small. But you know what? We're conditioned through our lives not to trust. We're conditioned from birth on to disagree with people around us that maybe we don't agree with. We are really conditioned to make sure that we're safe. In fact, the little ones don't have that, and I don't know what time of life that kind of changes, probably in the teenage years, but the journey that we have is something that is so so wrong in some respects and so right in some respects that every time we get hurt, we back off just a little bit more. And then I look at the story of Jesus. Every time Jesus got hurt, he got closer to the person that hurt him. And I look at that and I'm saying, oh, is me, I am undone, God. I can't be that way. I am not that kind of person. But in some respects, we can because sometimes that person is me. The nature of trust a firm belief in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or strength of someone or someone. When we trust God, we acknowledge that He is sovereign, He is wisdom, He is love for all of us. We recognize that He is faithful and unchanging, and His promises are true. In fact, in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. Let me spell that out really slowly, because I did not get it at first. Trust in the Lord and lean not under your own understanding. Anytime you have to say, God is this way, but there's also this that's important. You're adding to God and you're saying, I don't trust you. It has to be Jesus only in your life. And the scriptures are what kind of explain what Jesus is. And if you don't fall in love with the Jesus of the scripture 
then you'll add to Jesus and he'll become something else that he's not. And that, tr that trust that we have kind of blown with God all the time will start to ebb and flow. It'll go away because God has to conform to who we are versus we conform to who God is. Trust is that firm belief in the reliability, the truth, and the ability and strength of someone or something, or in God's case, that he is actually who he says he is, the sovereign king of the universe. Does that mean you don't yell and, yell, yell and scream at him? Well, about a month ago, I'm glad you weren't anywhere near my, uh, my car when Lucas and I were driving to the hospital. Honesty. Because when we are hurt, sometimes we take it out on God, and that's the worst thing we can do. Sometimes when we're hurt, we take it out on other people, and that's the worst thing we can do. Because that's saying, I don't trust you, God. I don't trust you at all. I trust myself, and I've been hurt before, and all I see is badness and suffering and horribleness. It's like a bunch of dried corn seeds. If you pop it, you can eat it. I mean, some of you are looking up there going, it's noon, Pastor, I want some popcorn. <laughs> or you can take that same kernel, put it in the ground, and let it grow. You can take that little kernel, let it grow. You can later take up a harvest and you can eat twice as much as you did before. Trusting in difficult times, God doesn't mean that life will always be smooth sailing. We will face trials, we'll have challenges and uncertainties. However, our faith teaches us that God is with us through every storm and he can carry us through. Consider Joseph. Consider Joseph in the Bible. Despite being sold into slavery by his own brothers, facing hardship, Joseph trusted God's plan enough to say, no, I'm going to stick to what I know is right. I'm going to stick to it because it's a principle. No matter the hardship, no matter what is going to face me, even prison and death, I'm willing to face it. And God used him in a prison to say, hey, king, Pay attention, there's a God of the universe. He became a powerful leader in Egypt, saving his family and many others from a severe famine just because he didn't give up. He depended on God because he trusted God even with, with the bad situation that he was in. Joseph's story teaches us that even in the darkest moments, God is working behind the scenes for the ultimate good of people. Um. How many of you have always had something good happen but in the wrong time? Be like, oh, this is so wonderful. I'd love to go do this, but it's the wrong time. How many of you have had that? Yeah, almost everybody. God's timing is something that I've tried to figure out my entire life, but I'll never understand it because he can see a picture that's bigger than what I can see. If you look up here and see, look at this picture, it's a nice, beautiful sunset, is it not? If you really saw the whole picture, there's a line of trees, there's a bunch of birds flying, and it's actually the opposite time of day. It's facing the other direction. But God's timing is something that we can't see because sometimes we only see a portion of the picture. Sometimes we find ourselves impatient, wanting God to promise, uh, fulfill all the promises right now. We want quick answers and instant solutions. However, God's timing is perfect. No matter what we have to say about it, it is always perfect because it is in his schedule. And some of us are like, I wish his timing was more like mine. Because to be honest with you, I'd like all cancer to be cured 
tomorrow. Actually, no, today. But I know that God's timing is something that I cannot understand fully. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on high with the wings of eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. This verse reminds me of uh, a number of stories in the past. But it reminds me that, you know what? God is the one that renews us and restores us. And he uses people just like you and I to help lift people around us. So his timing is something a lot different. Yeah, I'm sorry I put food on there. Trusting God in our future, that we will have lunch eventually. Finally, trusting God fully involves surrendering to our future, um, surrendering our future into God's hands. We might have dreams and aspirations, but ultimately God knows what is best for us. Like the text that we read earlier, a father that knows what's best for the son gives him a lot of leeway, but at the same time has plans for him. Just like that, God has plans for us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's, plans to, sp- uh, to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This verse assures us that God's plan is for our lives and it will be filled with hope and purpose. Sometimes it seems like there's no future, but just pain and suffering right now, but... Maybe the joy of wonderful events will be a promise that will soon be here. Today I say, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father, a quote from a song and a story to close. How many of you have ever climbed a mountain? I mean, maybe not this big, but have climbed a mountain. Some of you are like, I climbed the tallest mountain in Wisconsin. You say, I mean, it's, it's, to me it's a hill because I'm from the West Coast, but if you've ever hiked it, it's not an easy hike. It's, it's not. But imagine a group of pioneers that are going up, mountaineers, that are climbing up a towering white-capped mountain. They've studied the mountain's features, the assets, the risks. They've looked at everything. They've done their research even for years. They hire a guide. It's unpredictable weather, steep cliffs, dangerous crevasses, and the higher they climb, the more things just kind of turn worse. I don't know about you, but I've climbed on some snowfields, and they're really kind of cool during the summer, but uh, they can become treacherous really quick. Thick fog surrounds them, visibility becomes almost non-existent, and the climbers feel disoriented and fearful. In the midst of the difficult situation, their guide, an experienced mountaineer who has successfully scaled the peak before, urges them to just pause. The climbers huddle together, trusting the guide's wisdom and experience despite the challenging circumstances. They know that he has their best interest at heart. The guide calmly reassures them that he knows the mountain well and that he will lead them to safety to the summit. In a moment, the climbers have a choice to choose the guide and follow his leading or to let fear overtake them and retreat. They choose to place their trust in their guide and they continue the ascent, each step taken in faith, knowing that their guide will not lead them astray. As they persist on their journey, they encounter more obstacles, but they keep their eyes on the guide who navigates with sure-footedness and confidence. Even when they stumble and lose their footing, the guide is quick to extend a helping hand, never leaving anyone behind. Finally, after a grueling climb, they reach the mountaintop. The fog begins to lift, and they see something like this. The sun breaks over the clouds and they see the beauty and majesty of the world below, a sight that they would have missed if they had not 
gone on and given in to fear and turned back or relied on themselves. In this illustration, we find a profound truth about God, trusting God. Life can be like that treacherous mountain climb filled with uncertainties, challenges, and moments of doubt. But just like the climbers trusted the experienced guide, we are called to trust our Heavenly Father, God Himself. God knows the mountains and the valleys of our lives intimately, and He sees the paths ahead. Even when we are surrounded by the fog of uncertainty, when, the, when we trust in Him, He can move us forward with confidence, knowing that He will lead us through every trial and difficulty. Trusting God doesn't mean we won't encounter challenges, but it does mean that we have an unwavering assurance that God is always there, and that if we lift up our eyes and we see Him, that even if we stumble, He has the wisdom and strength to make sure that we are pulled up. So our dear brothers and sisters, as we face the mountains and the valleys of life, I am forced to remember the illustration that is right in front of me, that God never leaves us or forsakes us. Let's follow Him in experience of the past, because every time I look back, I know that God was there. I just didn't know it at the time. Imagine a young man named John. He was sailing in a small boat, and he thought that he could do it himself. He decided that he was going to, with being an experienced sailor, he was going to navigate through um, all kinds of stuff. And on a particular journey, he decided to sail without checking the weather forecast. And all the experienced sailors told him he'd better check it, but he just forgot. And he was like, ah, I can handle anything that's coming. The, scar the skies started to darken, the clouds gave, became ominous, the wind started to howl, and the waves grew larger and larger. And before he knew it, he thought, oh no. This is not good. I don't know if any of you have been on water like that, but it is a scary thing because all of a sudden everything starts moving in directions you never planned it to. But he was very prideful and he decided to still go on. He was paddling and bailing and doing everything that he could. And finally he just yelled out, Help! Grabbed the radio and said, Help! 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 And through the storm he could see the rescue boat coming. Skillfully, it maneuvered through the storm, reaching John just in time to save him from the disaster. He did lose his boat, but he was grateful to be saved. This illustration serves as a reminder that what can happen when we choose not to trust God. We think we have it. We think everything is great, but God has a rescue plan just in case. In fact, he says, if you don't trust me, don't worry. I will do everything I can to make sure that you can. The good news is that God always is ready to extend a helping hand. He is the ultimate rescuer, willing to guide us through the storms of life. No matter what the outcome, God is always there. The problem is, do you trust Him? Do you really trust God? In conclusion, let's remember that trusting God fully is an ongoing journey. It's about living each day with a surrendered heart acknowledging His wisdom, and having faith that His love and guidance will get us through. As we deepen our trust in Him, he will, we will experience peace that passes all understanding, even if you're in the middle of a storm, and witness His faithfulness in every aspect of our lives. But still in the back of your mind, I know that you're thinking the same thing that I'm thinking because it's kind of a condition we have as humans. But what if bad things happen? God's still there. And God still can be trusted. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we want to trust you in the worst of ways, but we've been conditioned, God, not to. Help our un, 
trusting hearts, our minds that have been battered by people that have hurt us. Help us, dear Father, to see past ourselves and past our experiences, to see that you are truly one that does not want to harm us but wants good for us. Dear Father, help us to understand that you are the God of the universe and that there is nothing else we can add to you or take away from you that would make you any better. So, dear Father, help us to fall absolutely in love with you and to learn to trust you like a child. In Jesus' name, amen.